Hey, this is Jacqueline Kitsman. This is the Awaken Tarot podcast, and I'm just going to let you know right now that I am a little, I am a little uh, ADHD scramble, scrambled. You can tell right now, I bet you that I am in for, you're all in, we're all in together, if you will, uh, for an extra chaotic morning as I try to make my brain glue coherent thoughts together. One of the reasons for this is that my favorite Smith Rider Waite tarot deck, the one that I do most of my teaching and like the majority of my like readings for people, two of the cards are missing from it. Um, and I don't know where they are. In fact, I am sitting literally surrounded by, I have a doom basket by my bed that's typically just like full of books that are on my to be read list. And I'm currently surrounded by, I'm not, and I'm not exaggerating, like 50 plus books right now. Cause I was like, the cards are at the bottom of this doom basket. They're not. Um, so now I'm just sitting here like, uh, surrounded by books recording an episode where I have pulled up on Google the Smith Rider Waite image of the freaking Empress, which is the card we're talking about today. Um, so I can get this episode done before I have my Patreon um, monthly uh, AMA. So there's all that. So anyway, <laughs> for the collective reading, instead of using the Smith Rider Waite deck, what I've done is I used one of my other favorite tarot decks that I keep by my bed. It's the Be With Your Body tarot deck. I actually got to interview one of the co-creators of the deck, um, a few months back, Sarah Jane Chapman, absolutely adore her and her work. And um, so I've I've pulled from that deck. It's a really it's it's really great. I highly recommend listening to the episode. It's um, a deck that really kind of focuses in on your body. And uh, I have a history with disordered eating. I was almost hospitalized for anorexia um, a couple of years ago, eight a couple of years ago, like several years ago, like eight nine years ago so um i have a history with that but um it's also really good for like grounding into my body when i'm feeling especially frazzled which i am today so one of the other reasons i may be a little frazzled is because i'm like so fucking prepared today like i've already pulled the cards for the collective reading i've got the image up i've got my workbook up i've got on my phone the cards like and the definitions ready to go and it's all because i'm missing two cards so maybe the lesson here overall is hey when you um lose something and you are uber 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 prepared you are more adhd jumping into current events um there's not been any like huge huge like devastating news stories which is honestly great but what i will say is we've got a lot of like things that are ongoing that just always deserve our attention like a war happening in ukraine you know, millions and millions of people over there are being affected by this and people all over the world are being affected by the grain shortage that's happening. Um, so as always, I feel it's important to acknowledge that we have people who have been traumatized by hurricanes as well as wildfire fires in Hawaii. It's very as a as somebody who lived um, in Nashville after the 2020 tornadoes here. You know, you get a lot of like public attention, attention and national attention, and like all people's empathy and support. For maybe like however many days your story is tr tragic enough to make a news cycle and then after that you're just all kind of left in your community like reeling by what happened and everyone else is forgotten so you know paying attention to those who have lost their homes and their livelihoods in the wildfire in the wildfires of hawaii or those who were devastated by the hurricane like please know like I still see you. And if anybody has the ability to look at, you know, either people's GoFundMes or uh, donating to the rehabilitation of people who were affected by these natural disasters, because we're going to start seeing more and more natural disasters happen, especially as climate change, kind of like we we start to see the actual and real life effects of that. Um, just keep your attention kind of there and to those people and 
to those lives who were affected. And then, of course, we have just this absolute onslaught of um, hateful anti-LGBTQIA plus legislation, specifically um, legislation that, that targets the trans community. And we're going to start to see this hate ramp up the closer and closer we get to the presidential um, primaries and elections. And it's simply because conservatives don't actually have any policies that help the general public. So they have to win votes by making it like a culture war scenario. So we saw this with Roe v. Wade um, like last election cycle four years ago, and we're going to see more Roe v. Wade, although they successfully overturned that. Keep our friends, families, brothers and sisters and neighbors who are part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Just keep them in your keep them in your hearts and keep fighting for them as much as you can. Jumping into the card, we are working on the Empress. We're working on the Empress. We're working on her. We're talking about the Empress today. Uh, So what we'll do is I will explain to you the symbology of the card. I'll read to you from the pictorial um, key by Arthur Edward Waite. Um, We'll go over kind of, we'll kind of just break down what he says in that. We'll go over the traditional upright and reverse meaning. And then we'll, of course, go through the workbook I wrote. We'll go through the spread that I wrote for the Empress. And then we will also kind of all talk about how when the Empress comes up for me in readings, how I read that, how I how I would talk to a client about that or, you know, read it for myself as well. And uh, then we'll do the collective reading. And then I will jump right off so that I can go do my uh, Patreon AMA for the month. Again, like I already tried to record this episode and it was so entirely discombobulated that I had to quit and start over. So I will say this this time is going much better. So the Empress is uh, the the card is the Empress and they are sitting um, on a it's a red chaise lounge, chaise lounge, and they are in this long white gown this kind of like gauzy cloak type thing that is that's got like fruit embroidered on it it appears to be grapes um they have a crown of 12 stars on their head they're holding a scepter with a globe at the top of it uh they have this little it's a it's a heart by the base of the chez lounge but it's actually it looks more like a planchette than a heart and on top of that planchette is the symbol of venus um the empress is kind of surrounded by wheat in front of them. And in the back, they have like this very lush foresty looking area. Uh, the empress is not they're They're not an incredibly pro- in a provocative position, but the way that this lush greenery is taking place is supposed to, and the colors used is supposed to like kind of give a little hint of provocativeness, um, even though the, and you know, this card isn't so much about like um, the overt, it's not so much about overt sexuality as much as it is about like the idea of like fertility and creation and you know, how do you get, how do you create humans? Well, there, there is sex in that. So it's not supposed to be upright, this very like incredibly like provocative card that, that feels like it's full of innuendos. It's not, but it also does kind of dabble into with the symbology here, that, that idea of creationism and how you create things that's why the empress in some decks is very often depicted as a pregnant person um even though in the arthur edward Waite deck the empress is not pregnant so that's this is the what the card looks like from my from my description it's card three in the major arcana and card three is the um number three in tarot is the 
idea of expansion and creation and kind of like exploration of a specific area. I had the Empress card bookmarked at one point and then it dis- my bookmark got thrown into my coffee on accident um, in my first attempt at recording this episode. So the bookmark disappeared. So I had to find my page. Um, hence the filibustering you just got there <laughs> on the number three. Okay, I've pulled it up. Here we go. Pulled it up. I opened the book. Card three, the Empress. A stately figure, seated, having rich vestments and royal aspect, as of a daughter of heaven and earth. Her diadem is of twelve stars gathered in a cluster. The symbol of Venus is on the shield which rests near her. A field of corn is ripening in front of her, and beyond there is a fall of water. I would like to say that I did, in fact, call that field of corn wheat earlier, but it is corn. The scepter which she bears is surmounted by the globe of this world. She is the inferior garden of Eden, the earthly paradise, all that is symbolized by the visible house of man. She is not Regina Coley, but she is still Refugium Pectorum, the fruitful mother of thousands. There are also certain aspects in which she has been correctly described as desire and the wings thereof, as the woman clothed with the sun, as Gloria Mundi in the veil of the Sanctum Sanctorum, But she is not, I may add, the soul that has attained wings, unless all the symbolism is counted up another and unusual way. That was real sassy of him, I will just say, but we'll continue. She is above all things universal fecundity. Um, In the first episode, I had to Google how to pronounce that word. I will have you know that I am pronouncing it right. Nobody yell at me. She is above all things universal fecundity and the outer sense of the word. This is obvious because there is no direct message which has been given to man like that which is born by woman. <laughs> but she but she does not herself carry its interpretation. <laughs> I just like there is like just listen to that sentence again. This is obvious because there is no direct message which has been given to man like that which is born by woman, but she does not herself carry its interpretation. She delivers the message, but she does not get to interpret it. The sexism here is mm, I don't want to say chef's kiss. That's something, though. Going on. In another order of ideas, the card of which the emperor signifies the door or gate by which an entrance is obtained into this life as into the garden of Venus. And then the way which leads out therefrom into that which is beyond is the secret known to the high priestess. It is communicated by her to the elect. Most old attributions of this card are completely wrong on the symbolism, as, for example, its identification with the word, divine nature, the triad, and so forth. Listen, this is the sassiest I have seen Arthur Edward Waite in a long time. That was truly just an impressive amount of sass in a lot of areas on his part. So (laughs) I'm a little so let's essentially let's break down. Let's break down what this man wrote. Okay, Um, so according to. Arthur Edward Waite, when we're looking at the Empress card here, this is not, so it is Mother Nature, but it is not, they are not divine. And first, I want to put this caveat for me here, okay? Arthur Edward Waite refers to the Empress as, uh, with very, like, female pronouns. She, her, I tend to not genderize the tarot. I just talk about them as people. I think it's especially tricky here in the Empress and Emperor cards over the next two weeks. Um, And people, I think, get really confused on that. So I want to take a minute before I dive in further to explain kind of my mentality on that. One, I don't think that there is anything inherently wrong with attributing femininity to the Empress and masculinity to the Emperor, but I do think that it is very limiting. 
And I think that it can be incredibly difficult for people who don't prescribe to a gender, those who are non-binary. I think it can be incredibly difficult to kind of hear those cards and then relate to them. And I also think that it's incredible, while it would be as a cisgendered person, it's incredibly empowering to pull the Empress card and be like, yes, flowing in my femininity. It can also be incredibly like awkward to pull the Emperor and then be like, how do I relate to this? And I I just think that tarot is supposed to be a reflection of humanity and that can be an incredibly limited way to use language. So I tend to not prescribe gender to these cards and and instead talk about like their kind of archetypes and what they represent without then attributing gender to it. Now, not every tarot reader does it that way, and you you all certainly don't have to, but as a tarot teacher and the way that I'm teaching it outside of how I read it personally for myself or how it comes up for others specifically in readings, um, how I teach it is I don't prescribe gender. Sometimes as I'm teaching the tarot, you will hear me wor- hear me use words like a cyclic energy and a stable energy. And while I do think that the Empress has a very cyclic energy and the Emperor has a more stable energy, it is not that does not mean that cyclic equals female and stable equals male. That is not at all what that means. I think that the Wheel of Fortune has a very cyclic energy to it. That card has no depiction of any genitalia and or gender to it. Um, And I think that the world also has a very cyclic energy to it and the world you know, but it also has like kind of like, well, I shouldn't say that it has a very it has a very nice blend of cyclic and stable energies because it has the fixed signs at the top. Um, but then it has this like character that is supposed to kind of like thrive in this androgyny to it. Um, and, and it's an interesting mix of those things. So all in all, what I'm saying is that there are cards that have a cyclic energy and cards that have a stable energy. The Empress tends to have a cyclic energy in my mind. The emperor is stable. That does not equate to their gender. There are cards that present feminine in, you know, in the major arcana that I really see as more of a stable energy versus a cyclic energy and vice versa. But as I'm teaching these cards and I'm talking about like Arthur Edward Waite and him saying using she, her pronouns for the empress, like if that resonates with you, that is amazing. Um, if you feel empowered by the two and if you really find an empowerment in, in the two genders, that's amazing. It's just not how I'm going to teach it overall on this podcast, because I do feel like it's incredibly limiting and in, in what we can get from it in the aspect of teaching these cards and and their energy. So you'll hear as I'm reading the pictorial key over the next two weeks, a, a large use of she, her pronouns. And the Empress is a is likely a feminine presenting person on the card. I just don't think it's like the end all be all of the definition of the card. And again, like it is it it can be a limiting thing to go over when you're teaching tarot. So I'm just going to take gender completely out of it. Um, That does not mean that you yourself has to. It just means that um, that's what I'm going to do when I'm teaching it. So there you go. All of that to say, um, we're going to jump back into the Arthur Edward Waite kind of description here. Arthur Edward Waite would like us to know that this empress in his head is brings, it gives messages, divine, holy, um, intuitive messages, but she does not interpret them. And to me, that just seems a little bit like 
him trying to essentially it, it seems a little misogynistic like certainly and if the empress is capable of delivering a message they are then capable of deciphering that that message um so i'm not entirely sure what it, it just kind of shows like the dated point of this book and why it's so important that we kind of like uh let these cards evolve how they need to in 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 his body of work here, the Empress is someone who what I do agree with is that the Empress is what we see when we peek behind the high priestess's veil. The high priestess's veil has the has that fruit on it, those pomegranates. It's very, it's very similar to the robe that the Empress is wearing. Um and when we peek behind that veil, we kind of see like the cyclic nature of the universe. And if we're looking specifically at the lifeline and we're equating it to Maslow's hierarchy of needs then, you know, once you've got your body and your survival needs are met and you kind of have this ability to like then start thinking about things in a broader context into the high priestess, it makes sense then that we go to the empress and we kind of see how we individually fit in the broader sense of the world. And this is where we kind of get to explore um, pleasure or we get to explore joy or we get to explore that, that, that cyclic energy of seasons changing and the moon waxing and waning and kind of like we get to experience and watch flowers grow bloom and then die the empress like really shows us how we fit into those kind of cycles even the stars right the constellations in the sky depending on what season we're in or how the world is tilted and turning around the sun we'll see different constellations at different points in the sky and so the empress is really kind of this embodiment of not so much femininity but more of this embodiment of like change and cycle now it does so happen that people with uteruses who you know tend to tend to i say tend to because not everybody with the uterus is like an incredibly fertile person but people with uteruses have tend to have the ability to create life and sustain life and grow a whole other human so that fits in that realm of like cyclic nature one of the very interesting things about this card that i find that I'm hyper aware of is this culmination. And I may have already touched on it a bit in this episode, but I want to dive further into it is that the Empress is meant to nod to the concept of sex without being provocatively sexual. So we're supposed to have this idea and get this feeling of like fertility and creation without specifically talking about sex and I think the I think it does the card a little bit of a disservice because you can't have those you can't like you cannot create life without without sex. Like it just like you know, even flowers, like you have like you know, different parts of a flower that have to combine to have other flowers so it's just very it's like you have to like pollinate like you literally have to like germinate and pollinate other flowers with. Uh, pollen from a different flower to get a whole other flower like it's it's like a whole thing you can't separate like sexuality from sex itself and i think here that's kind of what arthur edward Waite was trying to do but you you really in the empress you really can't and that's why a lot of times people will kind of like refer to this card as like um kind of like one of the ways that like i'll read it is like receiving and being able to receive without like feeling guilt like early on in the podcast i made like a, a pretty visceral like uh allegory but because i know that my employers listen to this podcast i'm not going to talk about that 
if you want to know what it is, you can go back to like episode three or something like that and, and listen to the Empress. But oh my God. But basically, like it's the idea of being a good receiver and relaxing into that state of receiving and like you know, one of the first things we do, I think when we like are given a gift, like on our birthday, right, is we get really bashful and shy about it. We're like, oh my God, you didn't have to do that. But that's not really, but the other person bought you a gift. They want you to want the gift. Like we, the only person that we're being bashful for is ourselves. Like, and and we think that it's polite, but, or we think that we're not worthy or we're kind of like demure and that we didn't deserve a gift. And like, I'm like a huge, I'm a huge um, I do that to myself, like, oh my God, you didn't have to do anything. When like at the end of the day, like it's your birthday, like we give gifts on birthdays. What would it what would happen if we just said, Oh my God, that was so nice of you to think about me? Thank you. What if we didn't cut ourselves down? Or like when somebody gives you a compliment on your outfit or what you're wearing or your makeup or your hair or you know, just something or your art or something that you've made, right? Rather than being like oh, I got this on sale. Like, did you actually get it on sale? Or are you just trying to be like, whatever? Or like, rather than deflecting and being like, it's got pockets or, oh my God, no, I'm not. Or no, yours are pretty. Like, what if we just said, thank you? What if we just received it gladly? And and that doesn't mean that we have to receive it cockily. It doesn't have to, we don't have to be like, I know I'm gorgeous. But we can say, oh my God, thank you. I actually like tried really hard on my makeup today. So that's like so nice of you to say, or um, I've been really wanting to wear this shirt and I, I'm like, thank you for noticing. That's so kind. Like, those are all valid things to say instead of like, oh my God, no, or I got this on sale or, you know, trying to in some way cheapen what you were given the compliment for. We, we do that. So in the Empress, we kind of get this like element of like, receive the good, receive the good, let it flow. We are, we, a lot of us have this kind of nature of like waiting for the other shoe to drop. So we kind of like cut ourselves at the knees or like early on with it so that like, we're not so devastated when the bad thing comes. But the reality of life is that like a bad thing is always going to come. And the reality of life is that a good thing is always going to come. Right. And that's the lesson of the cycles. Like you can't have a full moon without having a new moon. We have to go through those cycles. No moon is better or worse than the other. But we do notice that our body needs different things at different places. If you have a uterus and you menstruate, like, you know, that you have a time of the month where you feel very like energized and and like in your follicular follicular stage, you feel very energized and like very good and you feel very like exuberant and you have more energy or more motivation. And then the closer you get to your cycle and to menstruating, you know, the menstruation part of the whole cycle, you're more tired and you kind of like go into yourself and you're exhausted and your body is tired. And that's just normal and natural. And in the same way, we have the Empress who is both like lively, we have these lively colors and at the same time, like they're also on this Shea Lounge because at some times they need to be exuberant and bright and and full of energy. And at other times they need to like be able to lounge and just receive and lay back and relax. And, you know, we tend to look upon like the concept of like needing needing a break as being lazy instead of it being its own form of productivity. Like rest is not something you earn. It's something you genuinely need. And the Empress is this large, larger than life reminder that like we are as much a part of the fucking cycle as anything else in this world. And 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 we deserve that. And when we peek back behind the um, the high priestess's curtain and we see the Empress just kind of like lounging there. Well, what we're immediately seeing is how we fit into the overall part of the of the world. 
Um, but I'm going to pause there because I could probably like chat about this for fucking ever. So what I'm currently going to do is pull up the upright and reversed Arthur Edward Waite um, definitions. So upright, it says fruitfulness, action, initiative, length of days, the unknown, clandestine, also difficulty, doubt, and ignorance. Um, and then reversed, it's light, truth, the unraveling of involved matters, public rejoicings, according to another reading, vacillation. Um, so that's all really fucking confusing. It's very like it doesn't like do a whole lot. So like, yes, like fruitfulness in the Empress. Yes. Like that's why you'll see the Empress often depicted as a big pregnant person, like uh, fully rounded, fruitful, like creative, passionate, uh, sexual, luxur luxurious. Um, but then they've also got here difficulty, doubt and ignorance. That to me is them playing into that misogyny a bit, because the idea here, especially in that symbology with the symbol of Venus, they're lying at the feet of the Empress, is that this card is traditionally supposed to be read as hyper feminine. And when you do that, you get some of that misogyny. Right. And this is another reason I like to pull gender out of it is that. This card being expressed as feminine is where they're getting this def definition of difficulty, doubt, and ignorance. They're attributing that to the traditionally female aspect of this card. When we look at things from the past, we have to look at ways of the past. And misogyny is unfortunately very much tied into that. But this card has evolved. And we don't need to be reading this as difficulty, doubt, and ignorance. Because that's the mis that's the misogyny. Um, so when we pull gender brink, out of it, what we're we completely erase the necessity for that to be in there. Um, and this is again in a nod to Arthur Edward Waite's um, writing on the Empress, which is that the Empress can give you a message, but is not capable of deciphering it or interpreting it, which is total bullshit. You are because in the Empress, the whole point of it is that we get to explore ourselves, explore our needs, explore our bodies, explore our environment. We get to discover what pleasure is, what joy is, what rest is, what how, you know, how we wax and wane and change and cycle. And in the reverse, that doesn't it doesn't mean that like we're our light has gone out or we're we're getting old or we're no longer we're no longer pretty or we're even more full of ignorance. Like it doesn't like that just doesn't that doesn't make sense. So what I want to do right now is I want to read to you what I wrote on the Empress read you the spread that I wrote for the Empress, how to better acquaint ourselves with Empress energy or where we are with the Empress. And then I want to talk to you about how I read the Empress. So here is, here is what I wrote. The Empress. Once we peek behind the veil, remind our hearts of where we came from, we move in the cyclic expansion of spiralic patterns. We see the moon phases, waves, seasons. We see ourselves as soulful nature, as smaller parts of a grander whole. The soul entering Empress energy is the marriage of intuition and the physical aspects of our bodies and world. It is a honeymoon phase of passionate touch, sex, birth, waxing and waning of our bodies through age and the natural progression of the earth's seasons. Empress energy is dropping deep into the spiral of nature and allowing ourselves to revel in what it has to offer. Embodying the Empress, we can focus on the sensuality of our senses, what we can learn from burying our feet in the ground and bending to immerse our hands in water. 
what can we learn from the food that grows? What can we learn from touching of another person, from really feeling them? What can we learn from creation? And the Empress, we learn to create and nurture. We learn to receive bountiful blessings. We learn how to act as a part of nature, the very core of our essence. Um, so then for the spreads, I wrote, what card represents our bridge between intuition and nature? How are we embodying the Empress's aspect of nurturement? How are we embodying the Empress's aspect of receiving? In what way is our soul asking us to live in our bodies to experience the joy of physical touch? So yeah, so my kind of thoughts and, you know, uh, and uh, the my feelings on the Empress are that it is a mix and a marriage between intuition and physicality. It's a marriage between what comes before it, which is the magician and the high priestess. Now that we know we are not only a physical being, but also an intuitive one, how can we really lean into both of those things to kind of put our feet in the earth and our hands in the rain and allow ourselves to be both present, to be both physical and spiritual? How can we lean into that? How can we find and ruminate in the knowledge that not only are we here and now, but we were before and we're going to be after we are, we are energy and matter that can't be created or destroyed. We are so much of everything and we have all of this ability to kind of like create Eden here on earth because we can understand that we are all part of the same. We're all stardust. I think there's like there's some sort of quote where like, I don't know, actually know if like I got to, am I still recording this? I think I am. That's very exciting. I accidentally pressed like pause recording and then I hit back into it. So I think we're fine. Um, anyway, there's this really b beautiful quality of, or this beautiful like quote. And it's, it's, it's super like, I think it's a little bit corny too, but it's like, we all, we are all like stardust. We all came from stardust and like, quite literally like we did like the kind of like the scientific notion like especially if you follow the bang the big bang theory is that we're all just kind of like the matter that cultivated on earth and then evolved over time and all of us like again like i said in our last episode like the reason the earth doesn't fall off its hinges every time we create like a new skyscraper or we birth another billion people is literally because we are all recycled atoms like if energy can't be created or destroyed if matter can't then like we are all parts and made up of what has always been. And that really like blows my fucking mind. But and, and it should blow yours, too, because it's this idea that we are so much bigger. Like we are humans and we are in in the, you know, the grand scheme of things. We are just tiny, tiny little people doing teeny, tiny little people things. But in the grand scheme of things, like the even bigger galaxy brain type thing is that we are everything that has ever been and everything that will ever be. And we will be recycled you know, into our bodies will be recycled and our and our atoms will be recycled into literally everything for, you know, however long the earth decides to like hang out with us if climate change doesn't really like get the ball rolling on our annihilation. Sorry, that was super pessimistic. Um, but yeah, so like that's the beauty of the Empress is that we have this understanding that we are both. I am Jacqueline and I was born into this body that is Jacqueline and I'm going to live out Jacqueline's life. But that literally and spiritually i'm going to eventually someday die and my body will be dust and atoms and nothing but small tiny particles that'll get recycled into a billion other things but also like i am jacqueline 
I have a podcast. I put words out into the world and that's going to recycle whether you love them or hate them into a thousand different things. Isn't that weird? That's so cool to me. It's just such a cool thing. And like, that's the Empress. It is this kind of like marriage of our intuition and our physicality and how we explore the world world with our fingers. It's, it's such a, it is like, I don't mean sensual as in like sexy. I mean, sensual as in like, we are, we're sensual beings. We, we touch, we feel, we taste, we hear, we learn, we observe, we absorb ourselves in the things around us. We make decisions like your girl hates lima beans. I'm never going to like lima beans. I learned that I don't like lima beans at a very early age. And I have consistently regarded them as one of the most disgusting foods on this earth. Also raisins. I won't get into it, but you all know how much I hate raisins. And like, I'm just never going to, but I discovered that through like the sensuality of like touch, feel, taste, all of that. Like I don't like them, but there are so many other foods that I discovered I like through my observation and through working with them, growing them, eating them, baking with them, cooking with them, whatever. Um, it's like a really beautiful thing about the Empress. It's a very literal, like, what do we like? What do we not like? What feels good to us? What feels not good to us? We can also like, when we're talking about like sensory processing issues, that's coming from the Empress. That's coming from our ability to kind of thrive or not thrive in an environment we're in, in a very literal sense. So when I pull the Empress and I'm, and I'm in a reading, and again, this is major arcana energy, right? So one of my things is if I were to pull this in a relationship reading, I would say, where do you feel like, what do you feel like you receive in this relationship? What do you feel that you're giving? What is your, what do you feel like your role is in this? And I'll talk to people and kind of dissect what they think their archetypal role is in the relationship. You pull it in a business reading, right? Um, how, like, are you receiving praise? Are you, how, what's your what exactly, like not what exactly, what are you getting paid? Tell me, what do you feel like you're being compensated fairly? Do you feel like your role in the company has the ability to grow? Are you feeling like you want it to grow? Are you feeling like you're feeling very stagnant in this and that you don't have the ability to move forward or even get any kind of like bonuses or raises or things that you feel that you need to be actually thriving in your physical life as well? In a in a just a general reading like i would bring up the concept of basically like giving receiving what does your intuition say how does your body feel right now like how how is your health in regards to all of the other things happening in your life i would start to have kind of those conversations with the person that i'm reading for because to me the empress is so much ingrained in how we're feeling what we're wanting are we feeling like are we feeling lifted up in our work environment? Are we feeling brought down? Are we feeling lifted up in our relationship or brought down? Are we feeling energized by the things we surround ourselves creatively? Like with this podcast, like there was a point of time, like with season three, where Gabe and I had like a very specific conversation of, do we do a third season? Do we continue this podcast or do we bow out? Are we still feeling fulfilled by this? Do we still feel like it's serving some sort of purpose? I was on Gabe was yes we keep doing it we keep going I was on the edge I was the one that was like I don't I don't actually know like we've we've done all the cards I I had just gotten kind of like a review that was like that my interpretations were really shallow and I was like I don't really know like what I'm actually giving at this point and if it's even if it's worthy but then you know Gabe was like what are you getting from it and I was like well I'm you know I'm getting community and I'm getting fulfillment from being creative in this way from sharing my writing and from sharing my thoughts on the cards and I really love teaching and I do very little teaching anymore. Well, actually that's not entirely true, but like I don't get to teach in the way that I thought that I would. And this is kind of a very unique marriage of, you know, a teaching degree and a creative writing degree and all of that. So um, 
and my love of tarot. And we had we had this conversation. Where will we go after we do this whole thing on the tarot? Will we continue the podcast? I don't actually know. We'll have to kind of reevaluate how I feel in that environment then. But we were you're very much in the Empress card when you're having these conversations. It's not all just pregnancy and sex and life and creation and growing a garden and waxing and waning with the moon. It is those things. But it's also how are you feeling? What are you giving? What are you receiving? How are you feeling in your environment? How what is your what are your senses telling you about this? Um, I think that we can get so much intuition from just observing the senses we have. I think so many times we're so focused on that sixth sense that what what clairsentience, clairaudience, clairvoyant, whatever can I pull from them? And really, it's just like, yes, like many of us are gifted with those things, but many of us aren't we're still intuitive beings. Like we still have five other senses that we can use to really help us get in tune with where we are in our world. Are we using them or are we completely dismissing them waiting for that? Oh, so mystical sixth sense to become available to us. Because the reality is that like you can't understand a sixth sense until you really understand the first five that you were born into. That was a mic drop moment for me. Wait, I'll just drop my microphone. Let's see what it sounds like. You're welcome. Gabe's probably going to edit that whole part out. Anyway, that's what I've got on the Empress for you. I hope that that made sense. I hope that it gives you kind of some new things to think about. Um, This is now the part of the podcast where I am actually prepared and don't have to talk you through any kind of blubbering because I already pulled the fucking cards. Again, I'm not using the Smith Rider Weight deck because it's missing two cards from it and that's making me very sad. So instead, I'm using one of my other favorite decks, which is the Be With Your Body Tarot. I feel like I really needed to kind of ground into my body today and this deck kind of sits by my bed and I really love it. Um, And I, as I was pulling two cards jumped out. So I know that I usually go over one, but two cards pulled out. And so the first card was the reverse ace of hips, which is the ace of cups. And then the next card was the upright three of eyes, which is the three of swords. And there are so many of you right now going, "Ah, no, the three of swords. Ah!" And like, hold on, Um, because the three of swords is in the three of eyes. It's it's not betrayal and heartbreak. It can you know, be those things because those are real things that we deal with as humans. But really, again, it's more of this like, how are your thoughts affecting your feelings? How are your feelings affecting your thoughts? Where are those things kind of growing and how are they affecting each other? And then with the reverse, you know, ace of hips, the reverse ace of cups here, we're really kind of putting an emphasis on like the emotionality of it. So one of the things coming into this next week, this is the truth. I want to the message, the truth I want to leave you with. Okay. Thoughts and feelings can lie to you. They can be wrong. They can be misinformed. They can be misconstrued. The feelings you get from those are real. Feelings are always the truth. Feelings are always the truth of how, of, of where you are. That doesn't mean that the feelings that what caused you to have these feelings is always based in truth. So like if I heard a rumor that I smelled bad, I would feel really sad about that. The truth of that feeling is real, but let's just say it was a rumor and it wasn't true and I actually smell very good. Like then like the basis for what that feeling is, is not real. So as you're moving through this coming week, you know, don't jump to a conclusion. Don't jump to conclusions. Understand that you're feeling, if you're in a, and at the same time, if you're like fighting with somebody, like one of the best things you can do like in a fight and Gabe and I do this all the time when we have a disagreement is here's the truth of my feelings Here's where I'm getting that feeling from. Is this what you intended or am I misconstruing this? And then we untangle it that way. Like we both take each other's feelings as truth. 
because there are truths. Feelings are our truths. But what made those feelings may not always be. So that's kind of the message. Like, don't jump to the conclusion. Understand that how you feel is important, even if what caused the feeling is completely wrong. How you're feeling is important. Acknowledge those feelings. Accept them. Move through them. Acknowledge them and and do what you need to do to comfort yourself or um, exalt those feelings. And at the same time, take a minute to kind of reflect on the thought patterns or the rumors or the ideas that that caused the anxiety, the anxious thoughts, the the wonky brain chemistry, right? So go back to that and 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 don't feel bad about saying like here's how I'm feeling and here's the truth of it. Now what do I do? Like was this what you intended? Like what did you actually intend because here's how I perceived it emotionally. And and having that conversation can really provide a whole lot of clarity and can also make you feel and sit so much better in your body as well. Okay. Um, that was the episode. If you like this podcast, consider rating, subscribing, and reviewing. I really love seeing, um, I really love seeing, I had two like really, really kind, positive reviews that were so sweet to me. And I, I just very much appreciate them. They make my day to see, especially after like getting some one star reviews that are like, I hate your politics. And I'm like, okay, I can't, can't change that for you. Sorry, buddy. Um, so it's always nice to see those and I very much appreciate them. And also reviewing helps get the podcast. It like the more reviews you get, the more it like pushes it up into the charts. I am of the belief that the people who need the podcast will stumble upon it. So like, don't feel like I'm pressuring you into reviewing. But if we do reach 300 reviews between Spotify and podcast, I think we still have like 45 something reviews to go. I will have a pie war with my husband and I will enlist Ian, my good friend, Ian, who you know from this podcast to record it. Um, sorry, Ian. He doesn't know he has that job. (laughs) Anyway, um, love you all. Goodbye now.